You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them. And that he was also a necrophiliac. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding Two Pride Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby And today, narrator will be Todd Fox. That's right. And before we conclude part three, we want to let you guys know where you can find us. We can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just type in Grinding True Crime. There you can follow our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible. If you want to listen to us on your podcast stream, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine. And for those listening to us outside of the U.S., you can always continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Um, if you would like to become a Patreon member, uh, you, uh, you can do so by uh, downloading the uh, Podbean app and clicking in the link there, and you can become a Patreon member. We just recently got one uh, Patreon. Uh, her name is Cynthia uh, Nutsi. So shout out to you, Cynthia, and we appreciate all that you do, and we appreciate the love and support that you give us. So thank you, Cynthia. Um, with all that being said, uh, listener's discretion is advised. We do get into details that can be uh, graphic and not suitable for a certain audience. So listener's discretion is advised. And um, if you guys know, we have done part one and part two. And this should be the final chapter to the uh, cross-country killer. So we want to let you guys know that this one might be a little graphic, according to what Todd told us. So definitely, listener's discretion is advised. All right. With all that being said, Todd Fox, this is the conclusion of part three of the cross-country killer. We have been dying to hear this, sir. So please continue your story. Thank you, guys. Uh, well, <clears throat> like my boy said, if you uh, made it this far, uh, it's been an excruciating case so far because of all the twists and turns the way he murdered and, and took it out on not only, you know, a couple men, but a lot of women and unfortunately a lot of children. And uh, it was brutal so far, but by far, this is one of the cases that, <clears throat> that I kind of put out of the first two, especially part two to have its own episode because the backstory also what happens later on uh, in the investigation and then it's sort of like a judgment, like I want the audience in the comments or Matt and Gabby especially to give their takes about, <laughs> did you do you think he did it or was it somebody else? Um, okay. Because this isn't one of the 22 that were charged to him. So I'm going to say, like Matt said, whatever it is, I think he did it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> did I know it. he's he's already like the guy from Family Guy. Guilty, guilty, guilty. <laughs> 
So, Get them. <laughs> yeah. So this one, um, it's it's going to be kind of hard for me. If you guys are expecting any kind of voices, it's going to be kind of hard for me to do one in this one. And then again, this is a case that if you think about, unfortunately, or, or take in what happened in the case, um, it's going to be one of those that you're going to think about. <clears throat> so again, this is so this is very serious. Yeah, this one's pretty serious. And one of those cases where just you don't think someone can be capable of this. You know, mm. <clears throat> so I'm dying to hear this, man. Yeah, well, let's get started, shall we? Um, we're gonna talk about the Dardine family and the Dardine uh, family, yeah, Dardine family. Um, Russell Dardine, the father, was born June 22nd, 1958, in Ma- Mount Carmel, Illinois. Um, uh, he also, uh, then Ruby Darlene or Dardine, sorry. Uh, was born August 10th, 1957 in Fairfield, Illinois. Mm-hmm. Uh, the couple would get married in August of 1979. And they would also have their first child, a baby boy, in 1984. <clears throat> um, the couple would move to Ina, Illinois, from Evansville, Illinois, where they had previously um, lived in uh, lived in that part of Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the couple would purchase a mobile home on an acre of land from a farmer uh, just outside the city limits of Ina, Illinois. So for all those out of the United States or even in the United States, until I heard of this case, I had no idea <laughs> where Ina was. And I didn't Never. Even know, Yeah, didn't know a town of Ina existed. Me neither. <laughs> yeah. no, no disrespect to the people in Ina. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, um, I would. I've never heard that either. <laughs> well, I mean, you're not alone. So I'm just saying. Um, but at the time of this murder case, um, there was uh, about eight to nine hundred people in the town of Ina. Now today, there's about sixteen hundred. So it hasn't grown too much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a part of Jefferson County, Illinois, um, and there's, you know, the problem is in that area. It's not considered what you would think of a town that has a high uh, murder rate, but in the 80s with drugs breaking onto the scene in certain even small towns like these and, mm-hmm. and the industry drying up around that time, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of crime uh, took place. Okay. So Jefferson County is next to Franklin County, and these two counties make up about eight cities to small towns that make up about a population of about 300,000 around there. Maybe, maybe my numbers are off, but it's, it's between 180 and, and uh, I want to say three, 300,000. That part I didn't write down. So if anyone wants to get me on accuracy, they can go right there. You know they will. <laughs> yeah. They always take shots on YouTube, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, but at this time in the 80s, guys, um, there was a rash of violent rapes murders and to this day there's about a good 15 unsolved homicides from that era oh wow so they're trying to get them now with the whole genealogy stuff and the dna but these are crimes that the police at the time just couldn't solve and there's still some that are unsolved they've solved some since but like say for instance there's this case uh tom odell if you want to look him up he was 18 years at the at the time he would just one day snap 
and do a familial side, which is he bludgeoned his father when he came home from work to death. He killed his mother uh, at the yep. house. He would trick his brothers into thinking that they were just going to go to the room and see a surprise. He beat them both to death, and then he would beat his little sister to death for no good reason. God, dog. Yeah, he's he's in uh, surprisingly at 18 murdering your entire family did not get him the death penalty but he's what he's a lifer oh yeah for wow. sure. one or the other yeah yeah so this is around the time when they purchased the mobile home and the mobile home was supposed to be sort of like a you know we'll work up some money we'll um eventually build a house on this acre of land you know and get rid of the mobile home and we'll have a nice little piece of land but as they settled into that new residence guys they all these crimes were taking place and they were all over the news the murders were happening left and right and keith was getting kind of paranoid as he should be with a with a young family you know yeah. and keith had a good job at the water treatment facility and it was close to home uh, Elaine would get a office supply job when she could part-time um, uh, Keith's mother would watch the little one Kenneth I believe his name was um, so you know when, when she worked and the family was taking care of the land around the mobile home uh, they were very religious uh, they went to church every weekend uh, both of them sang in the choir um, and then in in uh, some part in 1987 the two would find out that they were expecting their second child oh, okay. and they were very stoked because they they were they were uh, hoping that it was a girl they were already picking out names if it was and uh <clears throat> the two were very happy at this time but he was still uh as a, as she got pregnant moving on he was getting more and more paranoid and he wanted to make a move so, um, excuse me. So, um, he didn't want his family falling in, into the path of a psychopath or a killer or someone that would harm them. So he would actually, uh, you know, get a little self, uh, you know, you know, he wanted to purchase a gun. He wanted to take all precautions, double locks, the whole nine. And, um, he felt that the area in Ina was not going to be for them. He didn't want his kids going to school in, in, the, in that area. Something could happen. So he started to talk to his mom and telling her, hey, you know what? Um, I kind of miss home. I would like to move back to Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel is where my roots are. I'm sure Elaine would like it. The kids, it's nice schools. Uh, the, the crime is not as high. So he was talking it up and his mom was like, well, you know, Maybe you guys can do it when you guys get settled. Are you going to say something? Sorry. Mm-mm. No. I'm oh, Okay. I thought I heard something in the background. My bad. Mm. Um, but no, um, he, they would talk and have good conversations. And it was sort of that thing like, I miss home. You know, like I want to be around play, a place that's comfortable for me and my family. And the family's getting, you know, bigger. So at one point in 1987, there's, you know, because of all these murders that are happening, he doesn't trust anybody. Keep this part in mind, because this is key. A woman is lost 
in the area. And she starts knocking on their door and she asks, hey, can you know, there's not too many homes around, which there aren't. Can I use your phone? I'm lost in this part of Ina. I don't know where I'm at. She's like maybe 18, 19, 20 years old around there. She is not that mm-hmm. old, uh, according to his testimony. And Keith just tells her, get the hell off my property and keeps the door <laughs> locked. He does not let her in. Um, he's not going to let anyone get into because he's thinking this could be a setup. You know, I don't want nothing to happen to my family. We're out here in the outskirts. So that's how protective Keith is. Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense if you're paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what would you guys think if you're in a house where it's it's probably what you got like one street light down the road and it's pretty dark and then some woman is knocking on your door. You can't see the blind spots around your mobile home. Maybe there's someone hiding so that she could just get in and then they come behind her. You know, you never know. I don't blame them. I can't get mad at that decision. I probably would have said it a little nicer, but uh, I don't blame them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't blame them either. I wouldn't trust anybody. You're protecting your family and that's your concern. I mean, like, we good, fam. I ain't got no phone. Yep, yep. Lock it. <laughs> Be like, nobody's home. Go away. Nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, let's get started now. And I'm going to, like I told you before, this is going to be a tough one to get through because um, I'm going to give, I'm going to be giving details because I feel it's important. Um, so uh, let's get through this. Uh, we have a date and it's November 18th, 1987 to be exact. Mm. Now, Keith was always punctual at work. I mean, he was always on time. He was dependable. If you needed him to work overtime, he was your guy. And he did his work reliable and accurate. So everyone knew he his attention to detail and they didn't question his work ethic. Now, when you when someone like that does not show up randomly, you kind of you know, raise an eyebrow if you're the employer. <clears throat> so, true. Yeah. True. yeah. So his employer and his supervisor felt, Hey, you know what? Let's call the, the mobile home. And, uh, you know, maybe something happened. He had car trouble or something, you know, let's, let's give him a call, you know, to find out. And they called him a couple times and there was no, there was no, no call back, no answer. And it's about lunchtime. And his supervisor decides, Hey, you know what? Um, who's on his emergency contact that we can have go over there and check on him, you know, cause I, I, I feel something's up with Keith, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they, his mom, Joanne's on, on there and they call Joanne and, uh, Joanne says, okay, um, we'll try calling him too. So they tried calling not, nothing and, um, no call back, no answer, no, no nothing. And, uh, so they're now starting to freak out a little bit. And as it drags on till around four o'clock, five o'clock, uh, Joanne and her husband, which is Keith's dad, decide let's call the sheriffs and maybe they could do a welfare check. So they call the sheriff and the sheriff says, OK, we'll be over there in about like 30 minutes to an hour. So Don, the the grandfather is like, OK, I'll meet you over there. Mm-hmm. And so, so Don says you know instead of banging on the doors because he knows how those work out you know the sheriff will usually go around the perimeter of the Mm -hmm. you know unit and look in 
they can't gain access unless they see probable cause. So Don's like, look, I'll meet you there. I have the key. I have a spare key. And and you guys can check if there's anything. I'll wait outside. Mm -hmm. So surprisingly, the sheriff's like, okay, that's that makes sense. So a couple sheriffs show up. Don's there. He opens up the door and the sheriffs take a look inside. Nothing looks wrong at all. They go through the front room, the little uh, kitchen area, nothing there. Then they get to the room. They get to the room. And the room was kind of all in disarray. And as they look at the bed, lying in the bed on her back, if she looking like if she were asleep with the sheet tucked neatly to her chin was Elaine. However, there was duct tape around her mouth and her head had been bashed into where her, her skull was caved in. And next to her was her three-year-old son with his um, same kind of setup blanket or, or comforter to the the neck nice and neat tucked in his head bashed numerous times with duct tape over his mouth <clears throat> and cuts and contusions around his his hands and arms uh, her wrists were bound underneath the blanket along with her her feet and uh, she had uh, it's conflicting they really haven't said but like she did have clothes on but she had she was undressed so it was probably underwear mm-hmm. um, right away the police or the sheriffs I'm sorry as they're taking this in on the side of young Chris was a newborn. Oh, and the newborn had the same treatment. Oh my God. The same identical treatment without, without the um, duct tape. That's the only difference. Oh man. Lying next to the bed was and let's just say see if from the first two cases if you guys remember this one a child's baseball bat wooden baseball bat bloodied mm. another case <sighs> now the sheriffs were taken back by this obviously and were just appalled and one of them went outside and just vomited they immediately called for any kind of backup they can get their hands on from all surrounding towns. And they came down there and Don was besides himself, obviously the grandfather, the father. And he was just like, where's my son's car? We have a 1981. He has a 1981 Plymouth. Uh, where's it at? It's not there. Not there. It's not there. So immediately the sheriffs put a bolo out for the 81 Plymouth and they were like automatically saying this guy killed his family and Don and Don is pleading with the sheriffs like he didn't do it he didn't do it and right away the sheriffs are like this guy's guilty like 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 he he did this 
I'm not gonna lie. It looks it looks like it for right now. Yeah. So um, detectives were were just besides themselves because they they've never seen anything like this. This is brutal. Oh heck yeah. And so um, so what was summarized or what was found out is. Once they asked the grandfather, how far along was Elaine? Because that's a newborn. That baby was just born before it was killed. And Mm -hmm. he said that she was seven months pregnant. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait. You're telling me they cut the baby. You're telling me he pulled the baby out of her? No, this is worse. So. I'm just going to get into the investigation part with, oh, with oh, the three man. right now. Mm-hmm. What the detectives would summarize from the evidence on the scene was that they believe now I'll get into the second part of it and we'll kind of talk about it. But as far as what happened in the trailer in the mobile home, they believe that the killer or killers had tied her up, meaning the, the wife Elaine and they and that the killer began to beat the son in front of the mother and as he was beating the son to death they went into labor she went into labor and she had the kid and as she had the kid he beat her to death possibly either before or after the baby was born yo and then, so then they just took the baby and killed it. Put it, placed it, and killed it. Yo. Why? And on top of that, there was a probably a crazy amount of blood that spattered and 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 shot from everywhere. Mm-hmm. The killer took time not only to place the bodies, but clean the walls and some of the floor. What? That's a lot of blood. Yeah. Oh, man. Why? Okay. That's straight carnage. That's what that, that is. That's inhuman. Yep. Yep. That baby barely made it out. It might have only breathed. Maybe. Oh. Yo. That's dang, man. Just for her to possibly push out the baby out of so much like pain of seeing her child getting beat. That that's that's crazy. Well, I mean, imagine she's terrified. She's grieving all at the same time. Yeah, that's gonna make you go into labor. Yeah, the trauma. Dang absolute trauma dude so yo that sucks yep yep I mean we talked about a couple of these where you know in part two where the kids were killed you know it's not mostly that was after the parents were killed or the the mom was killed you know that, that Tommy did and those those are brutals can be as well 
you know, but this is on this is taking it to another level. Absolutely. This is inhuman. Because it's like you're already taking it uh, like you're going to kill the mom. You kill her little children, like her little boy. You wonder why the hell would you kill a little boy? Mm -hmm. What is he going to do to you? But then a baby who just, who was just born? Premature. Yeah, I don't even know if that baby would have survived had he left, had he left it because it was hours later. But still, I mean, that, that was hard for me right there. Uh, I can't, I can see why that uh, sheriff immediately went outside and throw up. I couldn't see a scene like that. I'm sorry. That's too much. Yeah. You could not be a detective, huh? Because even detectives have had their sheriff vomiting. Oh, yeah. That that would, I would definitely see that, that scene for the rest of my life for sure. Because that's, that ain't right. Yep. And I don't care how much he tried to clean the blood. There's, you, that's way too much blood. That's what's confusing to me. Why? You already did the most horrific thing you could have ever done. Why are you trying to clean it up? That's something that, you know, we'll see if that comes out later in the story. Mm. But getting back to it, you know, the manhunt is now on for Keith. And I, I get it. Yeah, so they're they're looking for him, and it's not till the next day, early morning, they find him. And it's how they found him. Um, it's in a wheat field, maybe a mile away from the mobile home. Keith has one in the chest, one in the cheek, and one in the forehead. Bullets. Wait, and, what? Yeah. Shot? He's been shot three times. And the kicker is his penis is gone. What? He's been castrated. For some reason, I thought that's what we were going to find him in the house castrated. I I really thought that, but I didn't think this. Yeah, he's he's castrated and it's a bloody scene where he's at. And now the now the police are really or the sheriffs are really scratching their head because and you know they call in you know uh, the Chicago uh, FBI I think there's another agency it's not the FBI but the, the FBI would eventually get involved but th- these are like the state police everyone comes in and now they're all thrown for a loop and, a serious loop yeah and here's another here's another twist to this story unfortunately um at a police station in benton illinois which is maybe 10 15 miles from the murder scene apparently mm-hmm. they find the plymouth 1981 red little coupe in the police parking lot what? what and not only in the police parking lot but the passenger side seat clearly shows that Keith was murdered in the car. It is full of blood. How did nobody notice that first? I have no idea. I mean, they were looking for him 
Yeah, but how did not a single person notice the car being parked there and it being full of blood? Uh, good point. I don't know. They took the back streets. I don't know. And here's here's the other thing. And I want you guys, I want your opinions. This is the first part I'm going to ask you on. So he was mutilated in the car. Mm-hmm. Some detectives are outright having a discussion with each other and arguing about it. Some of them think that he was mutilated and still alive, tied up inside the car. And some believe that he was shot first. What do you guys think happened? I mean, were they post-mortem? I mean, did he show any signs of it? They couldn't tell with that that kind of forensics back then. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's in the 80s. Um, knowing how inhuman this person is to murder the family the way he did, I it wouldn't surprise me if he was alive and they castrated him. And while he was suffering and crying in pain, they ended him off by shooting him three times. What do you think, Gabby? I'm going to agree. I don't see... If there was a lot of blood, then I would imagine he's still alive when they castrated him. Good point. Because if they had shot him beforehand and he was dead and then castrated him, the bleeding wouldn't have been as much. And also, what would that do to a dead body? So this person is clearly trying to inflict pain. So yeah, he would definitely do it before that. I I, I tend to agree with you guys big time. I think you guys are both spot on. And was he, he bound uh, with duct tape, right? Um, yeah, he had the duct tape, and his his hands and, and feet were t- well, his hands were tied. Okay, for sure. I, yeah. I figured that. Um, here's the other twist to it, though. And this is another part that the detectives and investigators have argued about to this day. The penis and testicles were never found. Um, There was some bleeding around his mouth. Some detectives think that his, while he was tied up, his genitals were in his mouth as a form of torture before he was shot or, you know, and then whoever killed him took the penis as a trophy. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Dude, this, this is disgusting. Yo, man, this is this is some hostile type stuff, bro. Like, this is sick. Yep. Yo, yo. Hey, man, get this dude off. Yeah, man. Ooh. Now, hey. Yeah, this is a tough one. God. And here's the other thing, because, again, forensics wasn't as good as it is now to where they could almost pinpoint within an hour or less of when the person has usually been killed or whatever they can tell. Um, They had some... All they could say is, at most, they were killed within an hour of each other. But they didn't really have a a particular time, you know. Uh, and and then the other thing that has people up for discussion is the fact that did the murderer take Keith first out of the home after tying up the family and kill him 
because he wanted something from him and then went back and killed the family? Or did he kill the family with Keith there, then take Keith out to finish him off and take the car? That is the big question that still has not been answered to this day. I'm thinking he was in the house while he tortured the family, dragged him or took him outside while he was bound, threw him in the car, and then drove him wherever he had to take him and then tortured him and killed him. Or there was more than one person. And that has been debated as well. That's why, like, I'm just giving you guys here points to think about and keep this in mind before we get to what Tommy says about it and then what the police and what Keith's mom later says about it. So we're, we're, we're going to get through this, and I, I just want you guys to take in all the evidence I'm going to present to you guys, and then I want your guys' like, final save because there's a lot to this. Yo, this is stuck in my head, man. That's where I was at when I was doing the story, dude. It freaking, like I said, it kept me up a couple nights. Dang. Um, here's the thing on the investigation back at the motorhome. There was no kicked-in door, obviously, because they were able to unlock the front door. The mm-hmm. back door was unlocked. But again, there was no, no, no sign of any kind of fighting or anything like that. Um, the tables were all left. Uh, the only thing they found was a small bag of weed. Oh, and they basically, you know, asked his parents, they asked anyone that knew, they said, Hey, did Keith ever partake? Did Elaine ever partake? Nope. Nope. They were drug free. They were a Christian people. Um, that wasn't their thing. So automatically the police were like, well, this probably was a killers. And then they were asking around, they asked over a hundred people that knew them mostly from the church and the surrounding areas. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, was there any extramarital affairs? You know, was Elaine cheating on him? Was he cheating on her? Did they piss off somebody? Because uh, they're thinking this is this is a got to be a crime of passion, right? You know, like how do yeah, you? Yeah, it seems very personal. Seems like it to me. Yeah, how do you do that to somebody? You know, like like or and then and then the scary thing is the detectives and the FBI would later be like, well, damn, who does this randomly? You know, I don't know what's scarier, uh, a family member or someone close, or is this a freaking just a psychopath? Uh-huh. On the loose. Yeah, and then detectives would find a lot of sports pages and gambling numbers, so they were like, does he gamble? And the parents were like, no, he does not gamble. He's very brutal with his money, you know, like like he's he, he doesn't like to risk things. He's not a risk taker. And they're all, well, it doesn't make sense. Why does he have this stuff there? And they're like, well, he likes sports. And so the police were thinking, well, maybe he, you know, got a debt going. But what kind of debt do you have to make to get that kind of treatment? I agree. That ain't something a killer would do over a debt. Yeah. I mean, he might take a finger or two. but Yeah, he, he might do that. But he ain't taking mutilating you and then torturing your whole entire freaking family. Correct. I mean, I would say it depends on who you owe this debt to. I mean, unless you're in, in deep with the mob or the cartel or something like that, then maybe. But still, even that, like, I don't think they probably do it to him. But to torture his whole family like that, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I yeah. mean, a lot of times when you have a debt to pay to somebody, they're not just going to take it against you. You have risked your entire family. True. That yeah, is- but 
they don't care about that. The point is ending you and ending anybody else who would have to defend you. What I'm saying is I don't think they would torture the family like that. They will torture you, but they'll just take the family out. I don't know. I mean, you got some sick people out there. If it's a psychopath, I mean, yeah, they're psychopaths true. for a reason, that's right? That's true. That's true. Yeah. Dang. So after that, you know, obviously this hits the news. You know, you already at this point got 18 unsolved murders you know, in cases in that, that family murder that they just solved prior, like earlier that year or a couple of years earlier in those two counties. And so the people are already on edge. So now people are buying security systems. They're buying dogs. They're buying guns. You know, p- people actually open carried down the street in some of those towns because they were so freaked out. There was no arrest being made, no person of interest. Um, so... The lead. You know what I wonder? Sorry. Oh, very good. He was very paranoid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, the person who is paranoid will be very prepared, right? Because that's what's going on. He's scared for his family. He's taking all the precautions to make sure it doesn't happen to them. Mm-hmm. But then it happens to them. Like, it makes me wonder. Did he know someone? Was this killer somebody known to the family or related in any way? Why was he very terrified? Yeah, I mean, these are all things like, like again, it's going to make you think. I'm, I'm glad you guys are coming up with these scenarios because, again, this is one of those things where you, you definitely have an open mind to it. And that's why I wanted to present this one. But, um, so the next thing that happens is Joanne gets 3,000 residents from the local areas to sign a petition to showcase now the cold case, which is a year or two later, to the Oprah Winfrey show. Oh, and wow. They, they want her to profile it on because she's doing, at this time, America crime exposés because there's a lot of crimes that are taking place. She's helping get attention to missing children, to shootings, and she's actually doing really good work at this time i think if anyone knows the oprah winfrey show in america uh that was prime time television or not prime time but daytime television yeah that was important it it mattered to a lot of people and it was groundbreaking because she was african-american uh she did a lot of good in that time period i mean say what you will about her now but but back in the day you know she was doing her thing she was well respected and to get on that show it got you a lot of attention and they were trying to do that but the problem is oprah winfrey's staff including herself said man that that is too brutal for daytime television yeah i mean yeah you got families watching this yeah yep so um so with that being said they tried america's most wanted and first america's most wanted even said the same thing but they figured, hey, you know what? This is an important case. So they profiled it. So now that will catch us up to Tommy Lynn Sells when he gets arrested in 98, 99. And he starts to confess to these murders. And he's getting linked to one murder after another because he's putting himself there. He's not only putting himself there, but giving details that only the police and detectives knew about in, in these cases. <clears throat> and all of a sudden... The Dardeen one comes up. 
And he says that Keith and Elaine met him at a truck stop. They invited him over for dinner. And as charismatic as Tommy was with all the murders that we talked about in the first two, that once they got back to the mobile home, Keith propositioned a threesome with him and his wife, and Tommy flipped out and did what he did. Now, do you believe that story? Um, wait, wait, wait. That Keith propositioned it? Correct. And Tommy flipped out. Yeah, Keith Keith said, hey, have sex with me and my wife at my mobile home here. Come home with me. I just met you at a truck stop. Let's have sex in front of our three-year-old. And, uh, yeah. That's all bull crap. Number one, Keith is paranoid. He trusts nobody. He turned away a girl who was lost. Mm -hmm. Why on earth would he bring some truck stop person with him home with his pregnant wife and three-year-old son and suggest that they have sex? That's ridiculous. Unless Keith was on the download. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, the... but if he was on the download, he wouldn't have done that in front of his wife and child. He was still a family man. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, probably. I don't know. They probably have some kinky stuff. You never know what people out there. I don't believe it, but you never know. If that was the case, wouldn't have he invited the lost girl and taken advantage of her? He didn't want no girl. He wanted a man. Oh, jeez. That's why he has a three-year-old son and is waiting for another baby. With the same wife. Yeah. He wanted to live out a fantasy. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. To it me. don't make sense, but what I'm saying is it's possible. There's okay. a lot of possibilities. You never know who people really are. Yeah. But I'm saying based on the nature of this person, based on how he was and how everyone knew him to protect his family, that is very unlikely. Especially a man, a stranger into his house. Makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, I'm leaning toward I don't believe it as well. Okay. Okay, so I see I see where the pulse is with you guys so far. Now follow along with this. Let's let's see if your store if you if you think you change on on him moving forward now. So what happens now later is they keep going back to him to uh to ask him about the case especially the investigators with this case now tommy's you know implicating himself like i said and he's making a lot of uh some of these serial killers will will get attention you know when they know the jig is up he just mm -hmm. got convicted he got the death penalty like we talked about in part two what has he got to lose but uh -huh. he was actually he was actually confessing before trial before the 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 girl had pinpointed him he started confessing to all these and and those were true question mm -hmm. when you said he was placing himself at the scene and placing himself there was he mentioning names yeah he brought up names he uh he what they did was they did a lineup with the victims and he would pick out the right victims and he would give details that you know like it like he would say oh well there was a blue chair in the front room and, you know, it had a TV right there. And then the, the police were like, whoa, okay, yeah. You know, and he knew the murder weapon, uh, what what the what the bodies looked like after. Well, he was just on it with some of these cases. But with this one in particular, he gave their names. Did he mention how he positioned the bodies afterward? 
um, who they were, did the woman go into labor, and then he took out, he grabbed the baby and killed the baby and positioned it next to the three-year-old, like those details. Did he say that? Okay, so on the 22, yes, he did those. This particular case, to answer your question, Gab, he actually initially got it wrong. He did not lay the bodies out how they were found. He told a totally different story, and he also there was way too many inconsistencies and then mm-hmm. would, and then when they would check him on the story he'd be like oh no 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 here's how it happened and so they couldn't understand why he was off on this one where the majority of the ones they had asked him about he was just spot on on point yeah yeah so so they were already like raising eyebrows almost giving up on it you know mm-hmm. and um until they were asking about another case and he started he's like oh you know what now i remember because in the newspapers they didn't tell you how the bodies were laid out they didn't tell you some of the things that only the killer would know mm-hmm. what through the sheriffs and the detectives for a loop was only the family and the detectives knew about the things inside that mobile home as far as mm-hmm. the belongings he literally nailed out of nowhere unprovoked on testimony said hey you know that Dardine family you know it was really like this it's coming to me now you know I've murdered so many people and he started going into details and what got their attention was he said those ceramic watermelon uh, decorations really piss me off I don't like when people get that stuff it's it's so tacky and he was going on and on about these ceramic watermelon you know uh decorations and they were like wait 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 what and and only they knew about it only the family knew about it and he nailed it and they were like Mm. wow he had to have been there so now that gets them thinking oh okay 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 we need to get you like you did here in texas do a walkthrough you know because when when they did that case with the other girl we talked about and killing katie on that sleepover they actually have him on video. You could see it on YouTube where he walks it to the home and shows you how he climbed in the window. He shows you what he did on the room, on the bunk bed, slicing uh, or killing Katie and then slicing the neck of the witness. Like he, he went through it like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and he and he totally nailed what the girl had said in her testimony before he, you know, they already had her testimony, but he nailed it. Right. So and he did that on several other cases. But that one in particular stands out because they had on video. Uh-huh. Chica- uh, Illinois detectives wanted to extradite him to 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 Illinois from Texas. But there's a rule in Texas to where if you're on death row, you can't go anywhere. That's it. You're done. Like, like they don't care who, what kind of case you're for, what what kind of case you have against you. Wow, you're not going anywhere. So that kind of killed what they wanted because they wanted him to walk through that mobile home and be like, okay, how'd you do it? What step did you take here? And mm. stuff like that. And they didn't yeah. get that, they didn't get that opportunity. Mm. Mm. So after he he you know puts all this out there joanna the mother is trying to get a sit down with him as his death penalty um is is you know it's now the 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 execution date's coming up 
and she keeps petitioning and keeps petitioning and says, I want to meet with him. I, I got to know, did he really do this? I want to look him in the eye. I'm tired of not knowing. Are we chasing the wrong person? Is there a psychopath out there? You know, she's she's trying as hard as she can. And then when she gets the opportunity to, Tommy doesn't want to talk to her. Uh. And so they're actually going to allow her to. But Tommy's like, he tells his lawyer, no, I, I don't want it. And they go to the execution. And, you know, obviously Tommy's put to death. And Joanne starts to say, it's somebody else. It's got to be somebody else. Like his story waffled too much. He wouldn't look me in the eye. You know, if he really killed these kids, like he gave those interviews that you could see on YouTube, he's talking to the people with no remorse and he's able to talk to them in their, you know, eye to eye. But why won't he do it with me? So she's like, it has to be somebody else. Mm. So um, it is been widely because his story did waffle too he said he raped elaine but detectives say there was no evidence of her being raped so they would have dna evidence but then they don't and then if his blood if he did get blood from himself or any dna he cleaned up the crime scene or whoever did cleaned up the crime scene there's really no dna on this case that's crazy. Okay, this guy never—he never before had cleaned up a crime scene, right? Correct. He just do what he did and got out of there. Correct. He just usually left the bodies where they lay. In my opinion, even if he had raped her, they wouldn't know because she went into labor. That's true. You got well. a baby in fluids and everything coming out of you. What is there going to be left for them to get? Yeah, and, and they weren't, I mean, they were collecting evidence as far as semen and things like that. And I, I agree with you, Gab. If it's mixed together like that, it's hard to, to detect semen within all those birth fluids. So, I mean, they, yeah. they, they probably looked right over it if there was. Honestly. What do you guys the bashing think? of the head? Sorry, what? No, I'm just I'm just saying like like now's the time. Like like well, I laid out as much. I mean, if you have any other further questions to maybe like support your case or your theory, go for it. Um I'll try to answer them the best I can, but that's what I have as far as a case. What do you guys think? I think this guy had gotten enough attention and he'd have killed a lot of people. I honestly believe it was way more than the amount they were trying to convict him for um but it seems like that last one he, like he was trying to claim it to give himself more attention i honestly don't believe it was him because yes the bashing the heads was similar the fact that there was a child's bat next to them was similar positioning bodies not really not the way they were positioned taking the man out of the house normally if the husband was there he was intimidated he was probably not going to try he'd run out mm -hmm. because we already know this guy would not face off men and the fact that he took him in his car castrated him maybe made him eat his parts and then kill him and take them as a trophy that did not match what he was used to doing good point because he had not taken a body part until this particular case 
And then the fact that he couldn't get the scene right when he knew so many details about the prior ones and he could remember everything, I don't think so. And how do you know about the watermelon ceramics? He could know about the watermelon ceramics because I'm sure as being a disgusting killer that he was, he knew another disgusting killer. So he might have known who did it. And he was trying to take the trophy for it. Well, as he would view it, a trophy. I mean, they were they were in the Illinois, like he was in the area of the of Illinois at that particular time. But like you said, maybe he did know something. I mean, he ran with some very derelict people. You know. Yeah, because he was already involved with having other people help him. Like, I don't know. It just seems like it was somebody else. Okay. The so. way it was done and the way the the father was killed and the children and the mom, it seems very somebody has something horrible against you. They detest you. They loathe you. They want you dead in the most horrific manner. So I think it was somebody that had something against them or against the dad. So you think you're thinking uh, it could be something deep, you know, seething within somebody else that we don't know about to this day that maybe nobody else knew except the Dardeen family and the person that killed him. Cause like, like that's, that was my point too, is like, like, or that's why I'm trying to like feed off your point. Cause like I get your, you know, your idea why the, why you don't think it's him. Like, but there's like, that's why I was laying it all out there. Cause I mean the whole baseball bat, the, the kids, um, you know, and just, but I mean, it is, it's kind of troubling to me to is what I'm saying is if, if there's another killer out there other than him that did this. I mean, yeah. To me, there could have been another killer learning from him, just like the others did. Yeah. We've had some copycats. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody learned that from him, they probably did it in a way to make sure that they weren't found and they could put it on somebody else who was already going to be convicted for other people. Hmm. that part but also I didn't think about it before but what Matt said like I'm not trying to talk bad about Keith but if he did have a secret life and maybe this person came back and got vengeance because he decided to get married and have a family I mean that could make somebody castrate you yeah I mean this was (sighs) I mean, like it's it's one of two things. It's it's either psychopath to the extreme, or like you said, a crime of passion, something very very personal. Yeah, it seems yeah. like someone was very angry at him. So it could have been a woman, it could have been a man. Who knows? But there could be more to his life that's not known. Obviously. So wh- wait, 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 wait. Sorry, Matt. Final say, Gab. Let's hear if you, your synopsis. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it was him. Okay, all right. So you're on. The, uh, let's let's see what Matt has to say. I got two uh, scenarios, and both of them points to him. him the being, first scenario, huh? Him being him being that he did do it. Um, Tommy. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, the first scenario is if it wasn't him directly doing the killing. He may have accompanied someone to um, do the killing. It could have been multiple people. Could have been him and another killer. 
that's probably why he was able to identify the watermelon ceramics. Because like you mentioned, certain details only the family and the detective knew. So for you to know something like that, you had to have been in that house. So if he didn't necessarily do the killing, he was probably there with someone that did do the killing. That's scenario number one. So that still puts him as guilty. Scenario number two, he probably was telling the truth about um, him and Keith, uh, Keith offering him to do a threesome with his wife, and that probably made him snap. I don't know, because he did have a triggering when it came to uh, men uh, messing with, you know, other boys or stuff like that because of what he went through, correct? Mm -hmm. So he may have went to their house on other terms and things probably probably have a few drinks or whatever and maybe Keith probably did make advances on him and he snapped and by torturing his whole family it was just his way of getting back at him and then by uh and and him cutting off his you know his penis and putting it in his mouth that does sound like something he may have do to get at someone who was trying to do something to him that he didn't want done to him because of what he went through as a young kid. So it could be him. I'm leaning toward it may have been him. And if it wasn't him, he probably was there with the other person. So I'm leaning guilty. Can I contradict you on that last point? What's wait, up? wait, wait. Before before you guys do, I got one twist. That uh, I oh, you saved this in the chamber, bro. <laughs> I want, yeah, I saved this one. I, I wanted you guys to, to, to get out your answers first. Because this is a detail that is brought up later that, you know, when, when before Tommy dies, he says one more story. Now, granted, just like Gabby said, he was twisting the story, not giving accurate de depictions. But when he finally got to one with the ceramics, he said something that Joanne raised an eyebrow to because she was starting to think he didn't he didn't do it when when he was getting closer when he got executed but before he died he laid out one last scenario and this scenario caught the detectives eyes again because keith was putting the mobile home and the property up for sale again only locals would know about that locals that wasn't published published either and in the last story that tommy told he said that he saw the for sale saw them as a mark as far as someone to get money off of and the for sale would be the in for him to get into the mobile home unit because if he's at inquiring about buying the homeowner would let him in and as paranoid as keith is money talks bs walks according to him that's how he got inside mm. on the last story that he told now mm. now does that make sense or is he just throwing something against the wall and then how did he know about that? Because, again, he's been contradicting himself, waffling the entire time. I mean, that does make sense. It can make sense. But, again, when did this guy act with the dad present? Mm. Good point. He didn't. Men would make him run away. Why would he target a family with the father there? Maybe he did something different. And to contradict Matt, if this man made advances of him, 
why would he flip out if he was molesting boys himself after supposedly defending them? Oh, he didn't want to. He didn't want to be the as one. sick as sick can be. Because he didn't want to be the one that be molested or sort yeah, of quote, but unquote, I raped mean, by another man. If you if you he had a little boy. I understand. If you're gonna have an interest, why are you gonna snap on the person who might hand you that child? I understand, but he was being molested and raped as a young boy and by a grown man. Yeah. I don't think he wanted to be raped or molested, mm-hmm. or I wouldn't even say raped. I don't think he wanted to be the one uh, in the receiving end or whatever it may be from a grown man. He didn't so, have a problem touching boys, so that must easy, be something he likes. Because it's the easy target. It's yeah, not, but it must be something he likes. He didn't just focus on girls. I understand. But what I'm saying is no fighting back when it's a young boy. With a grown man, you got to take him out. And and here's here's one more twist. You keep holding the <laughs> chamber, bro. What's <laughs> up with that? I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, because you guys make valid points. You know, like, like, again, the only other time he confronted a man, he shot him right away, like Gabby said. And then the other times he ran. And then, like Matt said, you know, in the other times when he he supposedly said that he would, you know, when he saw that man, um, you know, molesting the other boy or per, per, uh, performing a sex act on the boy, he pictured Frank, the guy who molested him, and then he took it out on him. So there's there's arguments for both sides. But the other the other one I was going to say about this is and you could look up. I didn't pull the audio for this episode. I It was already a tough one as it is, but. Mm-hmm. You can look it up on YouTube and his whole excuse for killing the kids, something I forgot to touch on earlier, was that he did not want them to suffer like he did the collateral damage that was put upon him or his family growing up. So, but that doesn't make any sense. Not only are you snuffing them out, I mean, you're brut- brutally killing them and raping them or, or molesting them in the process like gabby said i mean yeah are, if you don't want them to suffer why do the act in the first place yeah those are his words so i mean and and this is a guy who openly threatened one of the interviewers saying well because they were like why is it so easy for you to kill he said well some of the questions you've asked me have pissed me off enough that if this glass wasn't here i'd i'd slit your throat <laughs> He's that type of dude. Mm. Mm. Oh, what would what, the interviewer say? He said, I'm I, very glad this glass is between us. <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, it, this is a tough one, right? Without DNA evidence conclusively, like, like this is a tough one. It is a tough one. It is one. a tough one. I'm not going to lie. He's stuck in between, although I continue to lean on the fact that it wasn't him. The entire behavior, the entire killing, how everything turned out, especially for the dad, doesn't scream him to me. The fact that he could be associated with another killer, I agree with that. But I don't think it was him. I would say this, my last uh, argument or the point, not every serial killer uses the same method to kill. Sometimes they do something different. So maybe this was a different method of killing. Who knows? 
I mean, Jeffrey Dahmer, he wasn't always uh, drilling in people's head and putting acid in the beginning, but eventually he started doing it. You get me? So, yeah. I don't know. I think I think he did do it, or if he didn't, he was there with another person. It's, this is the hardest thing. I thought one of you would convince me either way, <laughs> you know? Like, because like, I'm on the ledge, too. I'm on the fence because, again, I could see Matt's side of it because... I could definitely see Gabby's side of it too. I mean, yeah. it, it it doesn't fit his MO. So I do see that side. Because you, know? you remember he chopped up that woman, you know, and threw her in the hot spring, you know, and then, yeah. so that was outside of his realm. And then what Gabby's saying, he never confronted a man. You know, how, how could he do something like that in a Plymouth, you know, like, like mutilate someone in a car by yourself? You know, there's the aspect of two people instead of one. Um, there's a whole lot that, you know, great points that both of you brought up where I thought, okay, they're going to sway me one way or another. I'm yeah. still on the fence. You're still on the fence. Still on the fence. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, they had a little boy. I think that would have been a temptation for him because he liked that. Why didn't he mention that? Did he molest, did he abuse the child before he killed him? There was no mention of that. No, okay. no mention of that. He didn't seem to pass up a chance for that because he was that gross. Correct. I want to see what the audience and the fans say because I want to see their comments. Because I, this is this is a tough one, and it was very tough to listen to, man. For real. Yeah, like I like I said when when I heard how doing the research, and, and you know how bad it was. Like it was warned that this was a bad case. That's what I heard. That's all I heard. I didn't know nothing about it. And um, I actually did this one first. I started researching this case before Tommy Lynn Sells. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me tell the story of Tommy Lynn Sells first. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get into this one because. This one. Yeah. This one d needed its own episode. Yes. Yeah, it did. The way you set it up, man. I mean, it, it was perfect how you set it up. You kept them twists at the end, you kept them. A couple of bullets in the chamber, man. He was like, yo, well, well I got a twist for you. He did this. Hey, bro. <laughs> you know, where was that earlier? Where was that earlier, man? I would have thought of something different. <laughs> yeah. Now, I really want to see what the audience has to say to this one. Because this, this is something. Well, you guys heard our opinions. We really want to hear you guys' opinion. I say he's guilty. Gabby says it wasn't him. Todd's like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah, audience, do, do your job. What do you say? What do you think? Yeah, this feels like one of those episodes of uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And we're, like, polling the audience. Uh, I hope we get a response. <laughs> Ask the audience. Yeah, I, I hope we get a response about it. I mean, we should post, like, a, you know, a poll. You know, did he do it or was it somebody else? You know, like, one or the other. Yeah. We'll give you guys some time. Listen to it. And then at the end of the week, we will ask. Hey, maybe we should do an episode where we just read some of the audience comments and about this to continuation part four. Absolutely. You can email grinding true crime. Yeah. Yeah. You can get statements uh, at grinding true crime, or you could go to the Facebook page or um, Instagram and, and leave your comments there or message us. Cause we'd love, we'd love to hear your theories on this one. Um, there's, there's probably some cases that we're going to be doing, um, myself and Gabby and Matt moving forward. And anytime you guys could chime in with, you know, comments or your theories on it, we'd love to 
read them again or 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 just get your opinion and and uh, probably incorporate it into the next follow-up episode be like oh yeah you know the last case we did so and so said this and we we kind of agree with them it's a you know good point that we either missed or or we we didn't think about so this absolutely. is absolutely your time to shine audience absolutely this is your platform now right. do your stuff <laughs> all right well i think we're going to cut it at this part thank you Todd fox for breaking down the conclusion of part three of the cross country killer of Tommy Lee Steins. I found, oh, Sal. I, I, I'm always getting. You will never have the hey, right name. Hey, Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee Steins? <laughs> I, I, Tommy Lynn hey, Sales. Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lynn. Tommy Lee Jones. Okay. No, I'm playing. Tommy I think, Lynn. Lynn. I think Tommy six Lynn. more episodes and he'll nail the name. <laughs> And he probably still. I'm still going there. Tommy <laughs> Lynn sells. Okay, sorry. Right. Tommy. Um, thank you, Todd, once again for th- uh, breaking that down for us and asking us our opinion. Felt great, um, audience. Yes, thank you for letting me rant. Yes, <laughs> even though even though some people now nah, they're being anyway. <laughs> Hi-yo. I ain't mad. I ain't mad. But I mean, that's that's who we are. That's what we do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. With all that being said, we want to thank you guys for listening. You know what to do. Follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crime. Follow us on our uh, Podbean. Uh, pod Follow us on uh, uh, Pandora, Anchor, Spotify, Podvine, and Zencaster. Follow us all where, anywhere, where you can find us. Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Podchaser. Just follow us. <laughs> <laughs> with all that being said, this is uh, Maddie Matt along with Gabby Gab. And? Todd Fox. And we are out of here. Toodles. Peace. Y'all come back now, you hear? It's me, baby, baby, bloody. <laughs> <laughs>